Hey, welcome to the Healthy Steps with Nicole podcast, where it is my goal to help you see what is possible for your business, for your life, and for the sales that are going to get you there. Get ready to be inspired and supported while you launch and grow your health and wellness business. I'm Nicole Kramer, coach, sales expert, and health and wellness fanatic. Each week, I will be having amazing guest experts that will share with us their knowledge on mindset, money, how to attract your dream clients, successfully close sales, and so much more. Selling doesn't have to be hard. You can have the confidence and the clarity you need to create and grow your dream business. Super excited for another amazing version of our Wednesday expert speaker series. And tonight we have somebody that I know all of you are really excited about because I've seen the activity and um, some of the questions that are being posted. We have Christy Westerfeld here with us and going to talk to us about what's important in any health and wellness coaching practice, because I know so many of us have questions about what am I allowed to say? What am I not allowed to say? We're not medical professionals. So we want to make sure that we're staying, you know, just staying within our scope of what we're able to offer. And and I think having this understanding of just from the legal perspective, what we're allowed to do is going to be really super helpful. So Christy, welcome. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've loved connecting with you and and I'm excited to, to do this training and answer any and all questions that you guys have. I'm going to start by doing kind of a little top five training and then, and then we'll do questions. Yeah, I love it. And I know some people had um, submitted some questions ahead of time. So we have a couple of those and most of them, I think were very similar. They're just looking for like some of the cornerstones and the basics of what do I need to make sure I have if I'm a practicing health coach. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better too, and, and have everybody, you know, hear your story. Cause I know you specifically work with coaches. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My practice is pretty much exclusively online coaches. It's a split between kind of business coaches and health coaches, and then uh, therapists and other licensed professionals that offer coaching kind of in addition to their professional services. Mm-hmm. I do also have a practice here that does a lot of trademark work. So I do lots of trademarks for uh, online businesses as well. But the bulk of what I do is I get to teach about all this stuff and then provide some template resources for specific types of coaches. And I love it. Awesome. I love that. Is there any specific type of coaching that that want, that made you want to represent coaches? What was it that made you kind of want to jump into that world? Yeah. So I used to be a health coach. I I know. I'm one of you. I'm one You're of one you of guys. us. Welcome, um, You're one of us. You know, that's what the whole group is. We're all health and wellness entrepreneurs. Yes. So, yeah. I was an ACE certified health coach. Nice. Go ACE people, if there's any other of you in here. I think we have a couple. I loved it. I loved the program. I did the certification test like literally the week of my wedding <laughs> in back in 2016. Uh-huh. Um, and I was doing, I was working full time uh, as an attorney. I don't know. I just like have a need to be very busy apparently. Um, but I was working full time in my, in my law practice, working for another firm doing corporate law and just thought I kind of want something else that's just fun. And I get to actually help people. And I was really into, I mean, I still am, but was really into running half marathons and my nutrition and fitness. And anyway, so I started helping people in that respect. And when I started meeting other online coaches and getting more into the online coaching world, 
as soon as people heard that I was an attorney, it immediately shifted to like, oh my gosh, I need help. I will hire you right now. Like, please help me with my contract or I don't know what to do about this. Or I, I went to an event actually that was for online coaches and ended up like with five clients that just needed legal help. And that's not, I went there for my coaching. Yeah. <laughs> and so finally I realized, you know what? I wonder if this is actually a thing. Like, could I do this for a living? I was doing it for free because it was just fun. And that's how you know, right? If you're just yep. doing it because you like it. Yep. Um, and then it turns out people will pay you for it. So yep. I started my own firm in 2016 and have had two little kids and um, have since let my ACE certification lapse. I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I let everybody down. But I've you didn't been, lose the knowledge and all the experience that that's you gained. True, that's true. That's true. I still get yeah. to use the knowledge in my <laughs> own life. So I've got two kids, a three-year-old, almost three-year-old, and a nine-month-old. And I run my practice full time while raising my babies and, and love it, love everything about it. Get to set my own schedule as I know a lot of you get to do. And it's just, it's such a cool way to live, to be able to just do your own thing and help the people that you want to help and serve who you want to serve. And I know that you guys all think that way too. Yeah. And I love that, you know, each week, like I said, I have experts come in and share their experience, share their gifts, share their knowledge with us. And I love when they come in and do what you just did, where they're not just here to share their gifts, but they're also showing us what's possible for our lives. Because what you just said is, Hey, I get to set my own schedule. I, you literally said I've built my business in the last couple of years and I have two kids. So you're doing it all and it's possible. And when people come, well, I'm sure there are many sleepless nights where it doesn't feel like you're doing it all. But I think that that's what's so amazing is I say in my group a lot, we are all walking permission slips for each other. 100%. And that's 100%. one of my favorite things is when, you know, people come in and talk and say, listen, this is what's possible for you. Maybe not with the same gifts and, and talents that you have, that, but we all have our own unique ones that we can show up with in our life and build our own life by design and live totally. by our own rules and do all the things and have a business that really, like you said, when you're doing it for free and you love it, then that's how, you know, it's kind of something that you're really drawn to in your life. And I started very similarly to you. I got my health coaching certification. And when people, when my fellow health coaching friends, or if I went to events for networking, found out that I was who I was in the sales world, they were like, oh my God, how do you sell this? Or how do you, or can you help me with it? And, and so I just noticed that I was getting people asking me questions all the time. And I like talking about it. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, same thing. That's so funny. Same story. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, maybe this is the thing. Cause I was so dedicated to the health and wellness world because you know, I just, like you, I had my own journey. I wasn't running half marathons, but I certainly had things that I had done that I'd changed and and shifted in my life that made such an impact for me that I was like, I need to share this with the world. Yeah. And I didn't want to step out of the health and wellness space, but I had to acknowledge that there was a gift that I had to offer the health and wellness space that would allow me to stay in it and still be in that world that I loved, but share what I knew from my perspective. And like so many things in life, it never happens the way we think it's going to. It's like, I'm going to be a health coach. And I still consider myself one because I am, but I get to share my gifts with the health coaching world that I didn't even realize that, that Mm -hmm. I could do, or that were so needed. And it's really amazing to be able to do that. That's awesome. Yes. The universe gave us different paths, right? We, we, we made plans and then they said, no, actually you're doing this and it worked out. That's the broken road, right? (laughs) <laughs> totally agree. I totally agree. I'm, I'm such yeah. a proponent of, of everything that you stand for, like the giving yourself permission to do it and that anything you want to do is possible. Like as corny as that is, like, yes. it's true. Like a few sure. years ago, I was sitting in a full-time corporate lawyer job, pregnant going like, uh, no, like I want to be able yep. to be home 
with my babies when I want to be like, I want to be able to go to Disneyland on a weekday, like, well, not anymore, but past. Right. (laughs) Um, And it's totally possible. It's totally possible. You just have to figure out the logistics. And then, I mean, I'm sure Nicole's teaching you all the, all the, all the rest, but, but it's totally possible. And my job is to help you not get sued. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You have a very important piece in all of it. Mine is let's help you get clients. Yours is let's help these clients not sue you. I love it. I love it. We're all working (laughs) together. It's very, uh, synergy. We are. That's what I love about it too. And, And I don't know, you know, what your journey with community has been, but for me, it's just, when I look back on how I've gotten to where I am, a big piece of it is coaching and mentoring and investing in those things. But a huge part of what came with those that I didn't even realize how much I needed was community Mm -hmm. and just meeting people that, I mean, I met you through somebody in my community and like to know that we have these established friendships, partnerships, business relationships, because of being a part of a community is what really makes it stand out to me how important it is to surround yourself with people who are, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. We all have a common vision. Mm -hmm. We all, we all have things that we want to achieve and together we, we just go so much further, so much faster. Couldn't have said it better myself. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So we've got a lot of people here that are really excited. I'm excited to hear what you have to say too, because, you know, legal musts, even just the title of this talk being legal, it's like, oh my God, things that I must do. Like, what if I'm not doing them right now? And, you know, we kind of, as I'm sure you realize, there's a lot of reasons people hold themselves back and it's not just what do I need to have in my contract so that it's compliant? It's, oh my God, I need a website or, oh my God, I have to have my Instagram strategy worked out or no, I have to have this podcast going before I can get, and this is another, probably more important one that people hold themselves back because they're not sure legally what they're able to do. And my big thing in wanting to be a sales coach and work with health and wellness coaches is I don't want you to have any reasons or excuses for holding yourself back anymore because people need health coaches. The world needs health coaches. It's the reason that it's the second biggest growing industry in the world behind tech. Like coaching is a big thing Mm -hmm. and it's how we're going to change the world and transform people that don't otherwise know how to help themselves. But when you hear, oh my God, legal musts, it's scary, but I know you're going to be approachable and help us understand what we can do so that we're not making excuses for not getting started. Yes. I love that you phrase it that way. I love thinking of it that way as well, that a lot of times, whether or not you realize it, I think there's a lot of hesitation that comes with selling our stuff when we don't know if we have the right legal things in place, right? If there's any hesitation of like, maybe I don't want this person to say yes, because I don't want to, I don't know if I, my stuff is legit. I don't know if I can do this. Like, I'm not sure if I don't want to be breaking any rules. So if she says no, it's easier then I don't have to deal with it. And I feel like that can come across if you are kind of hoping the person says no, or you're not hundred percent sold on your own offer. You're the sales expert. So tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, and I've had people tell me this after they get legally protected, that they're, they're more confident in their offers and they're, and they're, um, they're genuine about wanting people to sign up because there's nothing holding them back. Like you said. So, so yes, anything I can do to help everybody feel more confident in their offers and help you get clients and get on your way, then I am, I'm totally in. So let's, let's get started with the legal must, shall we? Let's hear it. I love it. Yes. Okay. You got some good ones for us. Let's hear it. I have five. Are. Yes. I have five. And there's kind of like little, you know, subdivisions because I'm a lawyer. So, you know, of course. Oh, we do. We do have one really good question, actually, but we can save this to the end. I just saw it come through. I know you're going to do your five legal musts, but this is one to yeah. keep 
to keep in mind too, um, Ilaria is with us from Brazil. Mm. And she said she has her coaching contract in two languages and she wonders if that's okay and not confusing. So I didn't want to interrupt your legal musts. I just didn't want that to like kind oh, of fall by the wayside and forget about it. Interrupt the legal musts. There's <laughs> here. We're, we're casual. That's a great question. So having your coaching contract in two languages is great. I don't think that there's any issue with that. I think you just need to be mindful of the language that your client speaks in that respect, you do want to kind of cater to the language of your client mm-hmm. for the main reason that you want to make sure that they're understanding all of the legal pieces of your uh, program, right? So mm-hmm. if the terms are in a language that isn't their first language or one that they might not understand as completely, mm-hmm. even if, you know, it's, it's your language or even if it's the one that, you know, most people speak around you, you want to make sure that you're mindful of what they are going to understand because ultimately that's what's, what could cause an issue, right? If if they were confused about something in the contract or they had a misunderstanding about your program or the price or how they're paying you or any piece of that, that's the, that's the whole point of the contract, right? The main point is you want to make sure that you're providing clarity and transparency with that client. Say, here's everything I'm offering you. Here it is all on the table. And you want to make sure that they're, it's in a language that they're going to be able to understand even the nuances of the language or you know, that you want to make sure that they understand the, the fine print. So I would say it's fine to be in, in both languages. You can use them interchangeably as long as, you know, like with, you can have two equally, you know, identically worded contracts in two different languages and then use whichever one makes the most sense with each client as long as they are identical. Mm -hmm. Um, And you want to make sure that if it, you know, if one's translated, it's translated correctly, you're not skipping Mm -hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think it's fine to have it in multiple languages. And, and I think it's a great idea actually to make sure that nobody's confused or has trouble understanding what your services are. Right. That's super helpful. Cause I know I work with a couple of quite a few international clients and I know that that always comes up even with non-legal questions. Like one of my clients was like, do I do my sales page in both languages? You know what I mean? And it's, it's mm-hmm. certainly something to think about. And we obviously don't want to create more unnecessary work for ourselves, but I think from a legal perspective, that really makes sense and helps just to, to have it in their native language so that it's not something they're agreeing to and not completely understanding. Exactly. Because ultimately, if that happens, the person that's going to hurt is you, right? Because they're going to come back and say, have some sort of grievance or think they were misled and that you know will make them not want to pay you or think that right. they were scammed. And people are very quick you know, when large sums of money have been exchanged to think, oh my gosh, this was a scam. When right. it wasn't, they just there was some sort of misunderstanding and you don't want to go down that road. So always err on the side of, you know, triple checking, making sure there's no issues Mm -hmm. with the contract that they understand everything and that they have enough time to review it, ask you questions, make sure that there's no issues with the wording in the contract before Mm -hmm. they sign it. Got it. Okay. So just making sure they don't have questions and they're crystal clear on what they're agreeing to. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, good. And Alaria says, cool. Thanks. Super helpful. So that sounds like that answered her question. Awesome. Great. Good question. Yeah. Keep them, we, keep them coming as they pop up. We yeah. can divert from the legal musts or we yeah, can just definitely have, whatever your, works. have your questions ready guys. And just, I'll keep monitoring the chat. Mackenzie's got her pen and paper ready. So she's taking notes. So let's, let's do these legal musts. Let's hear I love it. it. Okay. Number one, hopefully you guys all know this, but stay within the certification guidelines. These are state-specific, your state-specific certification guidelines. 
So when we are certified as health coaches, each state has a requirement for what we can and can't do with those certifications. Hopefully this is not new information. Hopefully you guys are all familiar with this, but a lot of states differ in terms of what you can and can't do. The big one is meal planning and dietary advice. There's some, you know, differentiation between states in terms of what you can and can't do. And you always want to be mindful of not only where you're located, but where your client is located, what that state's requirements are, because ultimately from a legal perspective, your services are going to be provided in their state as well if you're doing it virtually. So you want to make sure that you're compliant with your state and their state. I don't want that to sound overwhelming. A lot of states, as you guys probably know, are similar, right? So there's a good chance that it's going to be, okay, it's the same rules or a slightly different rule, but it doesn't really affect you. But I would just urge you to get in the habit of whenever you sign a new client, check where they're located, do a quick check to see if their state is green, yellow, or red. Make sure you understand before you offer them the services, what you can and can't do, because you don't want to have to go back to them and say, actually, I can't provide you with a meal plan. I'm sorry. So you want to make sure that you do kind of that quick check. Maybe if you're on a sales call with them, say, hey, where are you located? And they say, oh, I'm in, you know, Tampa, Florida. Just have your, the, you know, the list pulled up, the map pulled up. You can just see, cool, Florida is what, whatever color state, you know what you can and can't do in that state. So as you're telling them about your services, you know that's 100% what you can provide there. You don't have to go back and say, never mind, I checked and you're in a red state, so I can't do any of this, but please still sign up. Like that, you don't want to have to like go back and retract things. So is that how it's categorized literally with green, yellow, and red so that you know what, what is it within compliance and what's not? And is it just a quick Google search? Like what are the certification guidelines for California? Yeah, I can send you the link. It's a, some of you might have it. It's pretty much like a state specific map that shows you what you can and can't do as a health coach. And again, it mostly pertains to things like meal planning, dietary advice, and things like that. But yeah, you just want to make sure that you are staying within those state-specific boundaries where you're located and where your client's located. Internationally, is that something that is also able to be researched or does it also... It should be. Yeah. Every country should have similar regulations. Mm -hmm. If the country doesn't have regulations, I would say just look at where, where you're located and go off of that. Like where your client's located, there aren't any. If it's vice versa, if there's regulations where they are and not you are, of course, follow the the regulations where they are. Um, If nobody has any, then you're pretty free to do what you want. Just kind of stay mindful of the avoidance of medical advice or treatment, which we'll get into in a second. Right. Um, Diagnosing and all that stuff that's yeah. Yeah. So the first like doing a quick Google search, you'll give us the link to use for the states, but then it's also applicable internationally. So you still want to run a Google search. If you're working with somebody in Australia or Ireland, you want to make sure that they are a green, red, or yellow so that you know what you're able to do. Yep. Got it. Okay. Exactly. All right. So stay within Uh, certification guidelines. Yes. Number two is, and this is kind of a bigger one, but be clear on the role of a health coach. So this encompasses a lot of things. But like we were just kind of touching on, there's a lot of a lot of different services that people provide under the umbrella of health coach, right? Some people are going so far as to run labs on their clients. They want to, you know, maybe they have the training to be able to read and interpret 
blood test results. They want to help with hormone levels. They want to like really get into their clients' medical issues. It's not wrong. It's not always going to be illegal. There's certainly a broad scope of services that can be provided as long as you are so extremely clear from the beginning about your role and the limitations of it. And I don't want to say limitations like it's a bad thing, but you do want to make sure that there's no, you know, confusion around what the role of a health coach is, right? So, so really your role as a health coach is to provide information, right? Mm -hmm. Information, you want to educate the person. So if you're doing something like labs, you can give them information about things like that, but don't prescribe something based on their specific result, right? Mm -hmm. You can provide information on certain types of meal plans, Mm -hmm. healthy diets, Mm -hmm. um, what what you recommend for certain types of goals, if they want to lose weight, if they want to increase muscle, if they are extremely overweight, if they have some kind of health condition, again, you want to provide the right disclaimers and we'll talk about that. But your role is ultimately the information, the education, and then the accountability and the support. Mm -hmm. What your role is not is providing treatment, providing diagnoses, providing medical advice, prescribing, not necessarily prescription medications, right? But prescribing supplements, prescribing specific things for them to put into their body. The reason we want to do, uh, want to avoid those things is, of course, the big legal liability, right? If they have some kind of negative reaction, you don't want to be the one standing there saying, whoops, I told you to take this. I'm not a doctor. That's the, the ultimate spot we never want you guys to be in. You can even write this down kind of in a two column, like what I do, what I don't do. If you need a reminder, you know, what you do is information, education, accountability, support let them come up with their own goals or help them with goals and then hold them accountable to those goals. Um, Provide them with support, provide them with the information that they may need to make a healthy choice or the education they need around whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. That's your role. You don't want to cross over into treating them, right? A lot of times people that are health coaches have other qualifications, right? They're PAs, they're physician assistants, they're nurses, they're have some other training but we're not using it, right? We're providing an international global Mm -hmm. health coaching service that expands beyond the state where we're licensed as a nurse, as a PA, as whatever certification or or license you may hold. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that even if you have, and this is kind of, sometimes this is kind of a hard topic to to grasp because people are like, well, if I know how to help them, why can't I help them? Mm -hmm. But from a legal perspective, We have to be mindful of, okay, if you're working with somebody outside of your state where you're licensed, if you have a a PA or some sort of medical license, you want to make sure you're always limiting the services that you provide. So even if you know how to interpret a lab report, tell them exactly the problem, exactly the supplements they need, exactly the medication they need, refrain from doing that Mm -hmm. and make sure they're working in conjunction with their own doctor. So if you run a program where there's labs, there's supplements that you recommend. You're really trying to get them to a specific end goal. I was chatting with a girl the other day who was a health coach that was trying to get people off prescription medications, right? That can be a little dicey. It can be done as long as everybody's clear on the limitations of the coach, right? The coach is a support, Mm -hmm. a support, a guide, 
somebody to hold them accountable, not, hey, we're going to reduce your medications by a milligram today, right? So that's a big difference. Even if you know exactly how to do the, medic, the, the prescription part, right? Make sure you are not doing any of that. You are working, you know, in conjunction with their doctor. You're encouraging them to see their doctor, encouraging them to work with their doctor, and you are there as the information and support and accountability. So to the extent you have those kind of medical components in your program or services that you offer, make that very clear to the client that you are there for that information and support, not the medical piece. And they may try to use you as the medical piece, right? They might say, well, can I take this supplement? They're going to see you as the expert. So they're going to put you on the spot and say, hey, I'm at the store. Can I buy this? I'm at whatever. Make sure you're never falling into that trap of saying, yeah, that's a great one. You know, take this 300 milligrams. Don't do that. Don't give them that advice for something they're going to put into their body that could be, you know, a medical supplement, right? Make sure they're always checking with their doctor. You can give them information about the supplement and say, hey, this is a great, you know, there's studies that show you're not providing any treatment. You're just saying, this is a great thing for this. Mm -hmm. This is a great, you know, can be a great thing to help whatever problem. I would encourage you to check with your doctor, make sure it's okay, get the okay, see if they're okay with you trying that. So you can certainly educate them on supplements. You can educate them on these things, but avoid that prescription level where you're telling them, take this at X milligrams three times a day or whatever. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then you mentioned working in conjunction with their doctor. Is there, would you recommend steering clear of any kind of community? Like, let's say that your client is like, I would like for you to talk to my doctor and they give you permission. Is that even appropriate? I think it depends. I know that's a lawyer answer. It, it, it depends. It could be great. I mean, it, you want to look at what your program is designed to do. Mm-hmm. If it's something that is medically based, like the prescription medication example, or something where that there's really a medical component to it, mm-hmm. I don't think it could be a bad idea to have some sort of very, very, very surface level communication. Mm -hmm. The only thing you want to avoid is, is you don't want to run into like a HIPAA violation. You don't want any medical information on your client. Don't want to be in any way, shape or form seen as a medical provider in that scenario. If somebody's very adamant about wanting you to talk to their doctor, Mm -hmm. again, you could, but as long as it's very clear, you know, I am just a health coach. I'm not providing any medical treatment. I'm here to support them and provide information. You're the medical provider. Um, And again, that's not to diminish your services at all. Mm -hmm. It's just that you want to make that line very clear that I'm not boundaries. Yeah. You're not doing any medical services. And if you're not comfortable talking with the doctor, I would say set that up, set a boundary there as well. And just say, you know what, I'm not going to kind of cross that line. I'm not, I'm not going to work with your medical provider, but I encourage you to do so. And then once your doctor is giving you treatment, then, you know, you can continue to work with your client. Um, But make sure they're aware that you don't want any private medical information. You're just there to provide that information and support to them. Right. I like that. It just popped in my head because I know when I was a um, high school math teacher, I would have students that were working with tutors and the tutors would want to talk to me as the teacher to kind of get some of my 
feedback and insight from my perspective so that they could fully support what they the work that they were doing with them outside of what I was doing with them in the classroom. And then also as the tutor, I found that it was valuable sometimes when I could talk to the teacher just to find out how to best support them. And I think as yeah. health coaches, like you said, that's that's our role, provide information, educate, accountability and support. So yeah, that thank you for answering that. I, I appreciate that. Such great stuff so far. Okay, so we, that was number two, right? Yeah, so that's kind of, those are like the main two things that I would recommend from a from a, a practical standpoint in terms of your offerings and your services and the health coach specific things. The next one is, gets a little bit more into the legal nitty gritty, which is your website. There's three things that you need on your website in order to be legally compliant. The first one is a privacy policy. The second one is a disclaimer, a website disclaimer. And the third one is website terms and conditions. So those three documents should live in the footer of your website. And then your privacy policy and your disclaimer, you should link to those on every other page that you make. So every opt-in page, every sales page, every landing page, anywhere that you collect information or make an offering. You want the link to your privacy policy and your disclaimer on those pages. And it'll make more sense once I kind of go through each document, why that's so important. The first one is the privacy policy. So hopefully you guys have heard this term before. The privacy policy is one that's legally required. The FTC actually has said this must be on your website or you will be fined. It has to be on your website. As soon as your website is what we call interactive. So as soon as there's any place on your website where somebody could fill out the contact me, you know, portion of your site. They could enter in their email address to be added to your email list in any capacity. They could purchase something from you. However, anytime they could type in their information, you, your website is interactive and that triggers the need for a privacy policy. Because you run a virtual business, you run an international business. So your privacy policy has to be internationally compliant with every country's data privacy laws. That sounds a lot scarier than it really is because really you just go with the strictest country and do that. And then every other one will kind of fall in line. So right now the there's two that are kind of the the strictest. Is that even a word? (laughs) The European union has come up with something called GDPR, which most people have heard of by this point, general data protection regulation. It just, is their set of data privacy laws. And from a privacy policy perspective, what it requires is that you have a bunch of the right language in your privacy policy. And I'm gonna leave it at that because I don't wanna go into like, here's all the rights you need to outline in your privacy policy. I don't want you to write your own privacy policy anyway, so the specific language is not important other than I want you to understand the basics of what's in your privacy policy. So the point of the document is to tell people what information you're collecting, why you're collecting it, how you are safeguarding it, protecting it from hackers, and how they can be removed from your list. Mm -hmm. So this is important if you've seen a lot of bigger platforms have been in trouble recently with data issues, like using our data for kind of sketchy stuff, very technologically advanced stuff. We talk about a brand and two seconds later it's it's on our feed, right, an ad, which has happened to me and it's really creepy. But people are using data in crazy ways these days. And even if you're not going to that extent, you still have to tell your audience, your consumers, what you're doing with their information, just like we as consumers expect 
those other companies to be transparent with us, right? We want to make sure that people aren't using our data in sketchy ways. They're not selling it. They're not using it in other ways, you know, beyond the scope of what we give them permission to do when we enter our email address to get a free resource or to purchase something or however we give them our data, right? So now we have to kind of put that in reverse because we are the business owners, right? So our consumers have a right to know, hey, is she going to sell my information? Is she going to share this with anybody? Does she have the right, you know, firewalls in place so a hacker is not going to steal my credit card number or whatever? That's the point of the privacy policy. So it covers that too. So they have peace of mind in using their credit card on your website because if you use, yep, if you use a credit card and you are the one actually running it, then yes, it should be in there. A lot of people use third party companies to run credit cards, PayPal, Stripe, Mm -hmm. Sam Cart's one of them. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, If that's the case, then you reference and, and make sure that your consumer checks their privacy policy so that they understand how their data is being used there. So if it's Stripe actually processing the payment or PayPal processing the payment, then you're actually protected by their privacy policies. But the person who's actually going to your website to put in their credit card, although it's protected by your bank, they need to check their own privacy policies. So your privacy policy is going to tell people what information you're collecting, Mm -hmm. what information you're storing, sharing, selling. Hopefully hopefully nobody's selling it because it's pretty much illegal to do at this point. And how they can be removed from your list, right? If you're collecting credit card information through a third-party vendor like that, you don't actually get access to their credit card number, right? They're going to either, if it's PayPal, you don't get anything. If it's Stripe, sometimes you get like the last four numbers, but you don't get any scalable information. Right. So what you would do in that instance is say, we use a third-party, and this is all in my template for anybody that needs a privacy policy, but we use, you know, a third-party vendor to process credit card payments, you know, please refer to their privacy policy for information on how your credit card data is stored and protected. Got so it. That actually that. puts it back on the, on the client to just say, so actually working with PayPal, Stripe, SamCart, all of these is your protection because you get to put, yeah. put it back on the client and say, make sure you're familiar with their privacy policies because that's who I use to process my payments. Yep. And they're taking on the risk by being a payment processor, right? They have all the right things in place, we hope. Right. And so you're just being transparent about that and saying, look, I don't, I don't have access to this information mm-hmm. and therefore it doesn't need to be in my privacy policy because mm-hmm. I'm not the one collecting and storing it, right? I don't get access to that. If you would like more information, please go check their privacy policy, Got you it. know, ask them any questions you may have. I don't know. Um, you can so totally more importantly is what we're doing with their information, their, their contact information. That's mm-hmm. really where the, cause if we're using something else, which we probably are, cause nobody's really, I mean, I'm sure some people are, but nobody's really processing their own payments more than likely. So the privacy policy is most important probably for their contact info. Your email list. Yeah. Email yep. list. The primary, the primary purpose of the privacy policy, that was way too many P letters, <laughs> P words, the primary <laughs> purpose <laughs> All of the, the policy is to tell people what you're doing with their name and email mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, right? Um, that's the bulk of the, of the information we're collecting. And the reason it's important is, well, I'll say too, the other important piece is for anybody that's using ads in marketing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they will upload their email list into Facebook to create a lookalike audience, or they will use the Facebook pixel to track people's movements beyond just their website you have to also disclose all of that information. So to the extent you do any of that in your marketing, you have to disclose that in your privacy policy. 
If you do, don't worry. That's also in my template if anybody needs it. But you just have to basically say, here's all the ways that I collect data from you. It does have to be an exhaustive list. So you have to include everything, but it doesn't have to be like valid for every person. So every person may not be in that lookalike audience, right? Every person may not receive a retargeted Facebook ad based on the pixel, but you have to put all of it in the privacy policy because some people are going to be. Because they will. It has to include everything, but not every piece is going to be applicable to your entire audience, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. But that Um, way you're covered. Yeah. The main things you need to know about the privacy policy is that you have to have one. It has to be internationally compliant. So don't use one of those free resources because nine times out of 10, that ain't going to cut it. It's not going to have what you need in it. It's not going to be sophisticated enough Mm -hmm. to include things like Facebook pixels and these specific ways in which we as online business owners do digital marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have to be correct and accurate in the way in which we're telling people we're using data. A lot of times people just pull something they find or get a free one, post on their website they don't even look at it. Sometimes the, like the fill in the blanks are still there. Like it's still, they haven't even like made an attempt to fill it out. And I hear you, it's boring, but it's very, very important. The fines for this stuff, you guys, if you get caught is $2,500 per website visit without the privacy policy on there. So if your mom has visited your website twice and that's it, that's a $5,000 fine. Wow. So it gets to six and seven figures so fast. Those are the maximum fines, of course, but it's just not something we want to mess with, right? We don't want to start out our business with the best of intentions and a few months later find out the FTC is making an example out of us and we now owe a $40,000 fine right. that would have cost $200 to Because they're just going to look at number of visitors to your website and they're going to backtrack to when you actually had the privacy policy in place and they're going to rectify or reconcile both of those and go, oh, look, you, you didn't have it in place. You had this many people visit. That's how much you owe us. We're going to look at the date it was published to present, assuming you never have a privacy policy on there, published to present every website visit in that point in time. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question. There's a couple other questions in here too, that I'm, that I'm going to ask you, but my question that I want to ask is what if you just decide not to have a website when you start out? Because you don't actually need one to be a coach. Good question. Good question. So let me, can I talk about the other two documents yeah. first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very quick. Cause then I want to address that. Cause that's yeah. a big question that people say, like, I just run my business on Facebook and social media. I don't have a website. Mm -hmm. I know you don't need one. There's totally ways around this. Did you just say you don't need a website? You don't need a website. I just need it as the sales. You don't need a website. Thank you. Thank you. For the people in the back, you don't need a website. Thank you. I just needed you to hear it or say that again, because it's something that like, I just, I get it. I get why people, and and I'll let you keep going, but I just feel like it's really a procrastination tool, I think in so many ways, not just the website, but just in general, you know, people are going to make up all these things that they need to have in place before they're ready to get started. And the website is one of the biggest ones that comes up. And I'm like, that's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, I I get why you want it, but, um, but you don't need it. And all right, I'll answer it now. Uh, It's (laughs) if you, if you don't have a website, what people, it doesn't mean you don't need these documents. I will say that it, right. if you don't have a website, it does not mean you don't need these documents because well, you're still collecting information. You're still collecting yeah. people's contact info and you're, you're, you're doing something. Yeah. You're still collecting the emails. So you're not off the hook there. The other thing is the disclaimer is a huge, 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 hugely important piece of your website as a health and wellness professional. So mm-hmm. even if you don't have a website where you have, you know, blog posts and content and whatever, you still need a disclaimer to link to for your Facebook group 
for your whatever, whatever that you're doing, whatever content you're putting out there, wherever you're showing up, you still want to protect yourself with that disclaimer. The website terms and conditions aren't quite as relevant. However, there are still the really important like limitations of liability, dispute resolution information, all of those things that I would suggest still having. So if you don't have a website, what a lot of people do is they put these documents into Google Docs, make three Google Docs for them, get the link, put the link wherever it is that you show up. So in the files for your Facebook group, in the whatever, and then however you're collecting emails, make sure these documents are linked there. So let's say you have a Facebook group, you have a landing page, and you have a sales page. Is that what you tell people to do? Let's just say that. I mean, even without a, like, even if you just have a Facebook group and a sales page, you're good. Because you've got a sales okay. page. Facebook group and a sales page. Mm-hmm. On your sales page is where you need to have the privacy policy, mm-hmm. right? Because you're collecting their data, the disclaimer, and then you need the other document I'm going to talk about in a second that's called terms of use. On the landing page, if you have some kind of free resource opt-in where people can sign up and get your free thing, again, you're collecting personal information. So you need that privacy policy linked on there. And I recommend linking the disclaimer as well, because you want to also disclaim your free resource, right? You want to make sure you're telling people, this is just general information. It may or may not be right for you. Please check in with the relevant, you know, doctor, nurse, whatever relevant professional before implementing what you find in my free resource. That's the purpose of the disclaimer on your website and in your Facebook group is you're reminding people, hey, this is just general stuff. It may or may not be relevant to you. If you have a medical condition, if you are somehow, you know, operating differently, please check in with your doctor. Please use common sense. Please exercise independent judgment before Mm -hmm. implementing anything, any challenge in my Facebook group. Or, you know, if you have a free resource that's like top 10 ways to whatever, make sure they know, you know, again, general information may or may not be right for you. If you have any questions on this, check in with somebody who knows your medical conditions or your personal situation. So that's a disclaimer. So that's why you need it to go anywhere that you are giving content, including social media and free resources. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause that content is what you're protecting or that like what you're, what you're putting out there. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, so no website, these, basically making it available in whatever platform you are showing up on. Yeah. The best way to easiest way to do that is to, I have found and what other people have told me they've, they've done with my templates when they don't have a website is just pop it into a Google doc, gives you the link, and then you can link it on any of those other pages. There. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So that's sufficient, putting it in your files in your Facebook group as a Google Docs link, and then making sure people know where it is once they're, when they're for your Facebook group, that's sufficient. Yeah. For your landing page, it needs to also be there. Like I don't want people to think that it needs to just go in the Facebook group and then they're free to do whatever. Every page that you have landing page, sales page, website, if you have it, Mm -hmm. um, social media group, Instagram, it's kind of harder to do that. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, there's nowhere really to put it, is there? And it's really unless you're gonna like link it in your bio, but that's kind of aggressive. <laughs> what I would say for social media, and this is now we're getting totally on a tangent, but whatever. For things like social media posts, videos, anything where you are coming into somebody's life and giving them tips, right? You're saying, Hey, I'm on Instagram Live, here's my, you know, top five tips for losing 10 pounds from quarantine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Use a verbal disclaimer. I recommend people do that all the time. Podcasts, that's the best thing to do. Any sort of thing that you're doing, use a verbal disclaimer if you're on video. If it's a written 
thing, if it's some sort of a post that's giving it like a pretty hefty amount of information or tips or any sort of information that you're suggesting somebody follow, or you're saying like, Hey, try this. Hey, you know, this is what works for my clients or here's how my client did this. Put a little one to two sentence disclaimer at the bottom. Again, just reminding people, this is not medical advice. You know, nothing I say here is to be taken as such. Please check with your own doctor before implementing anything that I find. And I'm happy to email you, Nicole, like a one to two sentence disclaimer for your community, if that's helpful. Oh yeah, that'd be really helpful. And then they can just copy and paste at the bottom of a post. Like if they're giving some advice or talking about something that would be borderline, they could just copy and paste that at the bottom of their post, this disclaimer. Okay. I always recommend doing that any type of, of longer form. It doesn't need to be like every single thing on Instagram, for example, but like if you're doing a long Facebook post or a blog post or a free resource, anything where you're, like I said, you're, you're inviting someone to take action on something. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that they're only doing so once they've been given the proper permission by a doctor or whatever. You don't want somebody that has a medical condition, is pregnant, it, whatever, has some sort of issue to try to do this, the thing that you're telling them to do and right. then have an injury or, you know, some sort of illness and say, well, she, you know, she's, she told me to do it, whatever. We hope people have enough common sense to not do that, but you never want to rely on somebody else's brains. And I mean, especially now, like I have common sense isn't so common. (laughs) Yes. So protect yourself and you don't have to worry about like other people's, what they're going to do, conscience, like what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, Yes. So, (laughs) So privacy policy disclaimer. The third thing I'll say real quick is the website terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. All that is, is just the ground rules for your website. So that tells people don't steal my content. If you're going to sue me, you have to do it in my state, um, under my state's laws or country. It has all the limitations of liability, all of the more legal sounding information in it. that's mm-hmm. going to protect you and your website from all the people that are visiting it, all the traffic that's coming to your website. The terms and conditions act as the ground rules for all of that. Got it. It mostly lives on your website. If you don't have a website, there could still be a place for it on a landing page or a sales page mm-hmm. to the extent that you're worried about somebody suing you from the free resource. Like it, but it's, it's kind of just for your website. So that's, that's probably the only one that, that okay. mostly so a Facebook on. group, like your rules for your Facebook community don't need to include a terms of use necessarily. No, just list the rules. And then have your disclaimer in there. If you're collecting email addresses, put a link to your privacy policy. Mm-hmm. Just kind of think through and like, what am I doing in here, right? Am I, t- am I taking email addresses? Okay, link the privacy policy. Am I, am I inviting anybody to take action on something? Okay, I'm going to put a disclaimer in there. And then just put your Facebook group rules. Got it. Okay. Okay, so that's the website. If you don't have a website, all your other pages. Right. Um, the other thing I want to get to is, do people, well, I'll ask, do people here have one-on-one clients or courses or both? We have a lot of different, yeah. I The people that I coach, we all do one-on-one. We start with one-on-one. I mean, it's, it's go into- my method. It's the best way to start in terms of like understanding who your client really is. And we won't necessarily get into all that. But there are a lot of people who have written courses. There are a lot of people who, like you were mentioning earlier, who are occupational therapists, nurse practitioners have written courses, but they're kind of on the border of like, I also do this other thing that I'm, you know, mm-hmm. completely certified in and, and compliant in, but I don't want to spill that over into my health coaching. So yes, so yes we have to answer your question. We have one-on-one courses, coaching, all of it. 
Perfect. Okay. So the last two things I'll talk about is when you work with clients, and these are the last two legal musts. One is the client agreement. One is the course terms of use. So people oftentimes confuse terms and conditions with terms of use. Different lawyers might call them different things, but I want you to understand that these two documents are different. Your website terms and conditions is just the ground rules for your website, right? There's no info there on your programs. There's no information on your packages. It's just protection for your website and any other page that you post it on, right? When you start selling to somebody, if you're selling to them in a one-on-one capacity, you're going to use the client agreement. So that's the thing that you're going to send them probably via email or however it is that you communicate with your client. They're going to review it. They're going to ask any questions and then they're going to send it back to you. That is the one-on-one client agreement, right? So in there, that's where you need all of your relevant disclaimers. I would say this is one of the biggest legal musts. Do not write this yourself. Do not take this from someone else who is not in your specific niche because number one, if you take someone else's, it's probably copyright infringement off of the lawyer that wrote it. If you didn't purchase it, you don't have permission to use it, right? Even if your best friend gave it to you, even if your mom gave it to you, it's IP, right? It's their intellectual property. Yep. Even though it's not as pretty as like a wedding photo that we all know that's covered, right? It still has the same level of protection Mm -hmm. because it's an original work. Mm -hmm. So do not take one from someone else without the permission of the person that wrote it. Do not write it yourself. So many people try to play lawyer and I don't mean this to be rude. I understand people try to save costs. They're trying to do what they can to make it work. They're like, eh, how hard could it be? When you're in this field of health and wellness and you're working with people's health and wellness, and you're dealing with potential medical issues, you're dealing with people who maybe think you're dealing with their medical issues. Certainly, if you have a license that you're working outside of, there's very specific language that needs to be in there. And you owe it to yourself to not mess this one up, right? So there are other things that you can bootstrap. There are other things that you can just kind of fake it till you make it, make it work. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. Don't be cheap with yourself here. Yeah. It's not just like, don't be like just good enough, right? Don't think, eh, whatever. Nobody cares. Everybody cares, especially when somebody has a problem and you don't want to be the one that like didn't take the time to do this one thing right, especially as you you guys are all growing giant businesses and you want to make sure that the foundation is right, right? You don't want to present yourself to a client. People can tell when agreements are poorly drafted, right? The the defined terms are all messed up. Sometimes I've seen people even have like different fonts going. Like they very clearly copy and pasted it from other places. Sometimes they're called a client. Then they're called services recipient. Then they're called something else. Like don't do that. People can tell. And what happens when, when you do that is their respect for you goes down. Yeah. And they're going to be less willing to fulfill their payment plans. They're going to trust you less. They're going to think, well, what does she know? I, I don't know. This, this looks like crap. What does, what does she know about health? when you probably know everything about what you're doing, right? You're probably a a total expert in what you're doing and you can really help this person. But if their first impression is something that's a little sketchy to them or they don't want to sign it or they're like, they can tell it's not good work, Mm -hmm. that's going to last, right? That's the stamp that you're going to leave. Right, it's the impression. And I don't want that for any of you guys because you don't want that first impression to be... 
right? right? You want it to be like, wow, she's so professional. I feel so confident signing this agreement. This was so clear. I know exactly what's included. She's so professional, definitely paying her all of this money because she's probably coming after me if I don't, because she's super professional. Right. That's the kind of the air that you want to give off, right? That you, you are a business, right? Even if it's your first client, right? They don't know that. They don't need to know that. Right. You have a level of profession that they think you have a team of 20 behind you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's worked your... so hard to earn their trust up to that point. Why sever it with, Don't blow it. you know, a, a contract that says client on one line and, you know, whatever you said, the, the other title wasn't. It, and I've seen that where it's yeah. like a different name throughout the whole thing of like who's receiving the services. And it's like, well, see, you can tell yeah. you're, you're fooling no one yeah. when you do that. And, and yeah. worse than that is you're going to miss the language that you need, right? Because you're going to pull from something you found on Google that's 20 years old Mm -hmm. and isn't relevant to current like digital businesses. Mm -hmm. It's not going to have the right language. And so if there's a, some kind of issue, you're going to go back to this document and you're going to really wish it said the right stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to be in front of a judge or a mediator. And you're going to be trying to say, this person owes me $6,000 and here's the services I provided. And here's the terms. And they're going to look at this paper and go, well, it doesn't say any of that in here. You lose. Right. So it's just one of those things. And I don't say this to be mean or to make anybody feel upset about it. It's just, it's one of those things as a business owner, we have to pay our taxes. You have to get the right legal documents in place. You have to make sure you're not like infringing on someone else's business name. Those are like the first three things, right? (laughs) Make sure you're set up correctly so that as you operate, you're building this, this empire, this giant business, changing lives. Mm-hmm. You don't get the rug pulled out from underneath you that prevents you from changing all those lives from something that was totally preventable, right? right. right. Build the business on a solid foundation and go out, go forth and change the lives. Yeah. yeah. Don't let it, a technicality ruin your business. Yeah. So important. That was my soapbox. But anyway, no, the last I, thing. I love it. The la- Can you tell I love this? Okay. Yeah. Um, the last thing is your terms of use. Okay. So when you are operating in a a course, an online course setting, or you're providing any other digital product. So an ebook, it's mostly courses or ebooks, some sort of DIY thing that people are buying. Like journals, journal journal comps, mm -hmm. anything that they can buy directly from your website or whatever, if you don't have a website, whatever spot (laughs) that anything they can buy from you without your involvement. Uh So in that scenario, it's not practical to send them a client agreement, right? Because they're going to buy from you at whatever time. If it maybe it's 2 a.m. your time, you wake up and you see the sale, right? That's what we all love. But it's not practical to try to chase these people with client agreements and say, wait, 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 sign my client agreement. No, they're not going to. It's yeah. not relevant. They've bought your like $30 journal prompt. Like they don't need to sign this 18 page, it's not 18 pages. It's like six page document that's meant for people working with you one-on-one, Right. So what you need is a document called terms of use. Mm -hmm. This document goes on your sales page. And if you use any other, any platform like Teachable or Kajabi or any of those platforms, you could still do this. Plug your terms of use into the sales page. So when you have your sales page, um, the terms of use goes somewhere near the purchase button. And it's going to be in a line that says something to the effect of, by checking this box, I confirm I've read and agreed to the terms of use mm-hmm. for the program, the thing that they're buying, right? The words terms of use is a link to the document. 
It can be in a Google Doc if you don't have a website, mm -hmm. but that's where your terms need to live. The checkbox next to that little line has to be something that you that's mandatory to check mm -hmm. for them to complete purchase. So when you do that, you're getting all their information. They have to check that box that says, yes, I agree to the terms of use for this program. They complete their purchase. You're not involved, but what they've just done is agreed to all of the terms for the thing that they've bought, right? So if they've bought your course, within your terms of use is the program details, the payment plan structure, the refund policy, any sort of way that you're gonna handle when people don't pay you, the late fees, collections, however you're gonna do that. Dispute resolution, disclaimers, especially those of you who are my licensed nurse practitioners or other people in the medical field that are also doing a course on the side, you need a very specific disclaimer in there that talks about the fact that it's not medical treatment, even though you are licensed in XYZ field, this does not, you know, encompass your training of that. It is just meant to offer coaching, you know, XYZ. It's, an, it's a whole disclaimer in there. But it's very important that that client or that customer of yours understands that even though you're a nurse practitioner or a PA or what, a dietitian, I think you said you have some registered mm -hmm. nurse, even though you are that profession, you want to make sure that nobody's buying your course thinking that they get like a backdoor to you or a direct line to you through that course. If they right. need medical treatment, you don't want them anywhere near your course, right? You want to make sure they are in line at the doctor doing whatever they need to do nowhere near your course. Right. And so you want to make that very clear to them that this is not right for you. If you are in need of medical treatment, even though I'm a registered dietitian or a nurse or, you know, whatever your license is in, there's none of that here. Like this is just, and then you outline the goals of the coaching program or the course, but that has to be like overly stated, right? You need to make sure that you're, you probably will feel like you are saying it way too much, yeah. but the average consumer needs to hear things however many times before they get it right. Seven at least so you want to make sure that you're making that clear because somebody might make that association very quickly that, Oh, she's a nurse. I'm definitely taking her course. Cause I have this medical issue and maybe she can help me. Like, no, right. we want to make sure that Carol doesn't end up in your course looking for treatment, right? Carol's right. at her doctor's office. Right. So that's the point of the terms of use, right? We, we don't have to individually send a client agreement, but we still have all the same protections when we are selling something directly from a sales page or a website. Mm -hmm. Anything that's not one-on-one -on -one coaching that you're selling needs that terms of use so that people mm -hmm. understand the guidelines of how it's meant to be used. And then yeah, the one-on-one so, -on -one coaching is the client agreement that's above yeah. and beyond that. The only, the only thing that can kind of go either way is group coaching. And it really depends on the transaction, right? If you're enrolling people into a group program individually, like if you're on the phone with them, enrolling them into the group program, do the client agreement. If you're enrolling people into a group, if you're launching a group program via a sales page, use the terms of use, right? So it's, it's however you're going to be taking payment really and what that transaction looks like. Mm -hmm. Anything you're selling one-on-one, -on -one, use the client agreement. Anything you're launching via a direct sale on the website, use the terms of use. Okay. Interesting. So if you just have a sales call with somebody about your group coaching program and they say yes. And then you send them the link to your sales page for them to move forward and make the payment. Mm -hmm. And the terms of use would be appropriate because you can 
plug that in on your sales page when they're making the payment. But if you yep. actually take the payment over the phone and you're enrolling them that way, then it sounds like that would be the client agreement. Yeah, because it really comes down to what's practical, right? Mm -hmm. If you're if somebody is buying something directly from your website, mm -hmm. it's not always going to be feasible for you to send them a client agreement, right? In that scenario where you're on the phone with them, mm -hmm. you could really do either one. There's right. not a there's not a hard and fast rule about which one has to apply. Mm -hmm. The point, the really the whole point is to get them to agree to something, right? The contract is crucial in these exchanges mm -hmm. when you're taking their money for a service. So if you can email, if you're emailing them an invoice, email them the contract as well, that works. Mm -hmm. If you're sending them to a sales page, terms of use is fine because they're going to check that box. They're going to read the terms and that's going to be fine too. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know we have a couple of questions I'm going to ask. I do have one that just popped in my head. Is there any rule or law against taking someone's payment over the phone and processing it for them. In other words, if you were like, oh, well, let's just go ahead and process your payment now. What's your credit card number? And then you're putting it in for them. I mean, I'm, unless I misunderstand your question. Oh, oh, like you're, I get it. Like you're, you're on your own sales page. Yeah. Yeah. You're basically on the phone with them and you're like, let's just move forward and process this right now. And they give you their credit card number and you go ahead and put it in. You're not going to like my answer, but I would say don't do that because mm -hmm. what are we missing? We're missing where they review the contract, right? If you're on your own sales page, you, you can't check that box for them saying, mm -hmm. I agree to the terms of use, right? Cause mm -hmm. you don't, nobody cares if you agree to them, you wrote them or you right. hopefully didn't write them, but Hopefully yeah. I wrote them, you put them <laughs> in. They, it doesn't matter if you agree to them, right? You need them on your sales page yeah. so that they can agree to those terms or you need them to review the contract, sign it and send it back, and then you process payment. So I know we were kind of talking about this, but you can do, if you want to take payment right then and there over the phone, a couple of different ways. I mean, you could send them the contract before the call mm -hmm. And have them review it then. So they sign it. They have time to review it. Mm -hmm. They know the terms. They're they're knowingly and voluntarily signing it. And then they're paying you over the phone. You can experiment with taking a deposit over the phone. And then sending one. them the contract. Mm -hmm. And then they pay in full the, the remaining balance once they've reviewed it. Yeah. If you want to send them to your sales page while you're on the phone with them. Let them go ahead and do it them. themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they can, yeah. And then, I mean, that would be even better because then you could say, I agree to the terms and conditions right there as they're processing it. Yeah. Make, I mean, them remind right? them, you know, please be sure to click on my terms of use, review it, mm -hmm. answer, you know, ask me any questions that you may have, encourage mm -hmm. them to actually click on it and open it. A lot of people don't, mm -hmm. but encourage them to actually read it mm -hmm. and then have them check the box and complete purchase. That would be awesome. Right. If you can be on the phone with them as they're reading through the terms, because then you can answer any questions and you're checking all the boxes. Right. You're getting well, them to sign a up. a way to celebrate too. I like, I like finalizing everything on the phone while I'm on the phone with my new clients because I like being able to congratulate them. I like being able yeah. to celebrate with them on the phone and having that. Them that payment is an exciting final step to saying, oh my gosh, you did it. This is so cool. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So yeah, have them send them the link, you know, have them be on, on the sales page and you can celebrate with them when they click purchase. 
Right. Or like I said, send in the contract ahead of time, mm-hmm. um, ask them to review it and mm-hmm. send it back to you and then process their payment once you have the contract. Make sure they have time to review the contract, right? You don't want to say, well, I've sent you the contract, so sign it and send it back and then we're going to process your payment. And they mm-hmm. just are like, ah, it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be a fire drill. Legally, you have to give them time to review it. Legally, you're supposed to, you know, encourage them to seek outside counsel to review it with them. I don't think anybody does that for this kind of thing, but that is their right. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're being respectful of a time mm-hmm. limitation there. If you're on the phone with them and you've sent them the contract, don't rush them through it. Say, you know, give you time to read it. Do you have any questions? I know that's not ideal. People are kind of like, hmm, that's not as fun. I yeah. get it. But you need this stuff to be legally binding. You need to do it right, right, so that your contract is actually legitimate. So, is it? I wrote something down, just as a as a question, kind of what we're talking about. If you put something in the contract that says this contract supersedes any previously written oral or intended agreement on services, including the receipt of money, is that written in the contract? Does that make the actual contract that you're sending them the official contract versus the oral agreement on the phone? So, so I guess what I'm asking is if you do end up sending the contract to them after the fact, mm-hmm. can that wording be in the contract so that then that makes that contract the official one versus the oral? It's, it's an interesting way to try to go around that because mm-hmm. from a legal perspective, what makes a contract valid is an offer and acceptance and consideration, which just means money or any other bargained for exchange is the term. So when you're saying the receipt of money, I can't remember exactly the wordage that you said, but the receipt of money doesn't make it valid. You're kind of eliminating a vital piece of the contract in that sense. So if what were the three parts, the offer, the acceptance and the consideration, which is typically money, but it can also be some kind of bargain for exchange if it's, you know, a trade of services or whatever. So if you're taking the money piece out of it, it's an interesting concept of saying like, because what we, what I was saying before is like, if you take payment over the phone without a contract, right? Essentially what you've done is you've made the offer verbally. They've accepted verbally. They've sealed the deal with the money. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're done. If you send a contract after the fact, like you have language in there that says like, this is the entire agreement. It supersedes everything we say, blah, blah, blah. But have you already sealed it by this offer acceptance consideration door close, right? Anything money is here, the handshake. And I know handshake isn't legally uh, binding or, or official, that's but the, like that's in the way, the acceptance, right? In the way, um, right. Like that's the, we're going to shake on it and it's official and it's a deal. Yes. So the, the person on the phone saying yes would be an acceptance in that scenario, arguably. Mm-hmm. So taking away, like saying that the payment of money doesn't make that, it's definitely a, a question. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. um, but then if you're taking away the consideration part, mm-hmm then you're signing the contract, you're sending it back and that's it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of eliminating an essential piece of the contract again, from a textbook law school legal perspective, right? In reality. If all parties believe that document to be controlling and want it to be controlling and mean for it to be controlling, mm-hmm. it's probably fine. The okay. issue that I worry about in that scenario is a client trying to wiggle out of the deal. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to hire an attorney or they know an attorney or they're married to an attorney or whatever, 
And the attorney's going, you know, if they took money from you beforehand, like, I don't want to give them any way to try right. to get out of the contract mm-hmm. or any loophole that someone might find that your contract's invalid. Mm-hmm. So I always just like to give as much information about this as I can so that you guys can make an educated decision right. in your own sales practice, right? If you're going to elect to take payment over the phone and then send the contract with that language in there, that's fine. But I want you to kind of have an understanding of the risks when you do that so that you're not totally blindsided mm-hmm. if something happens, right? Right. And that's my whole job. I, I'm not telling you, you can't do this. You can't do that. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. My job is to say, here's the information, just like you guys as coaches. <laughs> my job is to say, this is the information. Do with it what you will, right? Okay. Make your own business decisions about how you want to run your onboarding. But do so with the information that will help you make an educated decision. Right. That makes Because a lot of people do this wrong in our industry. A lot of people do it wrong. A lot of people take payment and the contract is never sent. It's sent three months later. So many times people tell me, oh, like I sent her the contract, but it was two months after we got started. And I'm like, okay, well, that don't even, I, don't even send it to me because it's not, there's no right. chance that's valid. Right. <laughs> so I just like people to understand the basics of it and then do with it what they will. Got it. I really appreciate that. Okay. So we have a couple of, <laughs> hopefully you can, you can um, ease our worried minds here. Cause I know there's some people that are coming. Don't be, worried. Don't be worried, everybody. I'm scared now. Me too. Yikes. Which I get it because it does, you know, from a legal perspective, hearing all the, the terms and the jargon, it's like, it sounds scary and daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I definitely feel what's the scary are. piece, the documents, I think it's, it's more the repercussions. I, I mean, I'm just speaking from my own, yeah. like how I feel it's, it's not the documents or make sure you have this privacy policy on your website or make sure you're compliant here. It's because I want to follow the rules and do things right. It's more, Oh my God, what if I thought I was following the rules and I wasn't, mm-hmm. but not, you, are. you know what I mean? Not, yeah intentionally being out of compliance, like knowingly being out of it, but just without knowing what repercussions are there that might happen. Yeah. So for me, I think that's where the scary piece is. Or the even, best. you know, yeah, Cricket says, yeah, the repercussions. And even like I'm looking at Mackenzie's question, and this was one that I would ask too. So you went to ACE, I went to IIN, and so did Mackenzie. I'm sure you've heard of IIN. And they did provide a lot of documents and some of them were legal documents. And they said, here, you can go ahead and use this. And so that's what Mackenzie's question is. And it would be mine too. She said, IIN provides templates and they said, it's okay to use them. You know, and I'm sure you'll say yes or no, whether, whether I doubt IIN would provide something that they have not already checked with their lawyers that it's fine to use. It's fine. But that's a case where in my mind, I'd be like, what if I'm using that? And I think it's okay. And it turns out some fancy schmancy lawyer somewhere who represents my client realizes, oh, that's not okay. Let's just dig into this IIN contract and find where it's null and void. You know, it's like worst case scenario. Right. No, no, everybody. Yes. So that's fine. What happens in those scenarios most likely is that they've had their lawyer write it and their lawyer, I mean, to get really into it, their lawyer works for them, right? Their lawyer is right. an employee. So everything they draft is owned by them. Mm-hmm. So IIN now owns it and they're the ones giving you permission. So the owner has given you permission. You can do Got with it. it what you will. My, what, what I was saying is when like your coach friend gives you a document that they made themselves or mm-hmm. when somebody says, oh, I, you know, somebody gave me this, who got this from someone who got this from someone 
just use this. Like mm-hmm. when it's something that feels icky, <laughs> feels a little wrong or something right. you're like, oh, right. Like when those alarm bells go off for your conscience, listen right. to them. If it's IAN or a reputable company saying we have these templates for you, mm-hmm. I would absolutely assume they have legal permission right. to do that. Like I don't think a company like that would not do that. And I'm yeah. sure they have general counsel who's written them and, and you're said, allowed to use them. This so nobody is cool worry for everybody about. to use who goes through this program. Yeah. Somebody else asked that too, and I can't find it now. I think it was Heather. She said, what if you, what if your school provides the client agreement templates? So and I'm sure this is a blanket statement, what you're saying, whether it's IIN or another certification program that you went through, they have worked with their lawyers to be able to provide that information for you, for you to use. And that's yeah. why you're, you can the be sure only, you're Yeah. The only cautionary thing I would say for those types of documents, not mm-hmm. that you don't have the right to use them at all. You absolutely do. But my only question mark there would be make sure it says what you need it to say mm-hmm. based on the type of, like the type of coaching that you're offering. So mm-hmm. If you went through IIN and you have their template, it's not going to include the disclaimers for if you're also a registered nurse providing the coaching, right? Or if mm-hmm. you are providing, you're doing the lab work stuff and you need mm-hmm. the additional language there or whatever. So mm-hmm. just be mindful if, if what you're doing goes outside the scope of like very run of the mill health coaching, which is what that document's going to be, right? It's going to mm-hmm. be, the it's going to appeal to everybody, right? It's going right. to be, the, we're going to appeal to the biggest scope of people we can. Right. Um, which is fine. And like for a lot of people, it might be perfect. So yeah. yes, but read it and make sure that you get either get help reading it if you have questions or that you understand like, okay, it doesn't say anything about the other stuff that I'm going to do in my program, or it doesn't say anything about the fact that I have a license. I need to address that. So for a lot of people, I think it could be a starting point and then you tweak it to fit your own needs. You add some stuff and you know, spruce it up to fit what you need. For other people, it might be fine as is, but I would say that's a very small number of people that would need to change nothing. Okay. Got but it. You definitely have the, you're not going to be sued for copyright infringement for that. Written it for that reason. And that's its intended purpose. Just don't, like, don't steal from other people. If somebody has given it to you from a reputable source right. and they're the ones that wrote it, it's fine. Right. Yeah. That's, that's where you get a little clunky and Janky. I don't know if those are the right words to use, but like, yeah, using somebody's contract, who's gotten it from somebody else, who it's like, yeah, it sounds to me like just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah, okay, but everything that, that would be fine. If anybody is feeling scared or worried, it really all comes down to these six documents in the right spot, in the right time. Mm-hmm. It's all very doable to understand the scenarios where these all go, right? I know it's like a lot of things right at once that I just threw at you. So I do have a a free legal checklist that goes over all this stuff. If that's of use to anybody, I emailed it to you, Nicole. Yeah, that's the link I have, right? Yeah, if you want to post that in your community, it's totally free. You will get a guide to like, here's where you use this, here's where you use this, and it will kind of help you digest this information. Um, if you have any questions, if any of you have any questions, I'm in the Facebook group, so you can tag me, you can message me, you can hound me, (laughs) you can say I'm panicking and I will respond to all of you. Just tag me so I don't miss it because I'm not going to be like checking the group as often as, as you, but I'm here to answer any questions. It's not meant to be scary. It's meant to be something that you just are aware of and you check off your list, right? You get the Mm -hmm. right documents in place. You understand the limitations of health coaching, the boundaries between coaching and medical information, 
It's all just a responsibility of your profession. And it's something that you're going to master early on, right? Like how confusing were taxes the first time you did them? For me, it was a train wreck. Like I was like, I don't understand any of it. And now it's second nature, right? So anything that you do for the first time is going to feel clunky and scary. And probably your first client was like, ah, I don't know what to do, right? Like right. everything that you Awkward do. until it's elegant. Yeah. That's what I like Everything to that you do the first time is, is going to feel kind of like you don't know what you're doing, right? right. I don't expect this to be uh, you know, easy for anybody because I'm the only one that went to law school. Maybe some of you did too, but it's supposed to be uh, tricky, right? For these purposes. So right. my job is to make it simple and mm-hmm. say, put this stuff here. This is what this means. Mm-hmm. And then you guys are all experts in your own field, right? Let me be right. the expert here. I'll explain yep. it. And then it will be something that is just done and you don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, and I would say it's the same reason why I don't do my own taxes. I am not trying to become an expert. And yeah, I'm like, there is a reason that I work with an accountant and like, and in a totally different way, I don't even move myself anymore. When I move places, I hire movers. I like, I've just gotten to a point now where I recognize and value the skills and abilities that somebody else has. And I am happy to pay them for it to make sure that it gets done right. So that I'm protected, whether that means my physical body is protected because I'm not lifting up couches myself or my finances are protected because I have my accountant taking care of things for me or my legal, my business is protected because I've hired the, the right, you know, representation for that. And I think there's so much to be said for that, that, you know, we try to do things like you said, there are certain things you can bootstrap and some that you just really shouldn't. And this is definitely one of them. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think so for anybody that's feeling confused or needs these documents, um, Nicole's posting the freebie. You can download it, have kind of a reference guide for all this stuff. Mm-hmm. If anybody tell needs us about your packet too, like yeah, if I posted needs, your website. So I posted your website too. I'm not sure if that's where they can find it, but, yeah. um, but I wanted to put your website in here as well. So tell us about what you have that is a like starter kit. Yes. So I have my beginner's legal bundle for health and wellness professionals. It includes everything we talked about today. So the privacy policy, the website disclaimer, the website terms and conditions, mm-hmm. the client agreement, the client agreement has also the a payment plan uh, attachment and a program outline attachment that's going to really help you in both of those scenarios, mm-hmm. terms of use, and a testimonial release, which we didn't talk about, but it's kind of self-explanatory. Anytime you use a testimonial, you want to make sure you have the rights to actually use it. Mm-hmm. So it includes all six of those documents specifically drafted for health and wellness professionals from a health and wellness professional. And you get all of the templates, plus you get step-by-step instructions that walks you through every paragraph. It explains, this is what this paragraph says. This is what it means. Delete it if X, Y, Z. Here's how you complete it for your own business. Like it really walks you through line by line and explains it. Because I don't like to leave people hanging in terms of like, I don't want to just dump six templates on you and be like, figure it out. So it really walks you through like what it is, how to complete it, how to feel like you understand your contract mm-hmm. so that when you're sending it out, if somebody has a question, you're not like, I don't know. You're like, oh, well, that's what this means. And you're the one that's educating them on your contract. So all around, you will feel like a, a much more professional businesswoman or man, if there's any men in here. The bundle also comes with access to me. So if you have any questions after you purchase, you want me to look at your contract after you filled it out, I do offer those services. You can email me and say, does this look right? Um, you can email me and say, this is what I do. How do I say that? Like I can help you kind of complete it so that you understand how to fill it out for yourself. 
all the templates, access to you, and instructions on how to implement everything. Yep. Awesome. And they can go to your website to find that? Yep. ChristyWesterfeld.com. The direct link is ChristyWesterfeld.com slash bundles. And that will take you directly to the page. I have a few different ones. So I have ones for business coaches, health coaches, et cetera. So just scroll down to find the health and wellness bundle. Um, and you will have all the information there. You can pay in full. You can do a payment plan. And you'll have access to all of the documents as soon as you pay. Awesome. Awesome. I have everything posted. And like she said, you guys, she is in the group. She's not here for sales advice, so she's not going to be checking in all the time. You don't want my sales advice. (laughs) Well, (laughs) but certainly, um, you know, when things pop up, tag her in there. This would be a great resource. Definitely go check out her website. And if you are not legally protected yet, check out that bundle and see if it's the right one for you. And, you know, certainly there are a lot of things you can do without in your health coaching business when you're getting up and running, but you want to make sure that you're protected legally so that you're in compliance and doing right by yourself, your business and your customers. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christy. This was really, I, everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is so valuable. I know we've gotten some of the fears that are coming up too. And I, I have the same one. So I totally get it. You guys, it's, it's scary to think about, oh my gosh, I don't want to get sued. And you know, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you can speak to this really quickly. I know my coach has been doing this for 20 years and she's like, it's going to happen. Not, not that you're going to get sued or not that it's going to like get ugly, but like there are going to be things that cut legal disputes that are going to come up, especially mm-hmm. if you're really in it because you're here for the long term. because this is what you are doing for the rest of your life. Cause you're so lit up and passionate. It's not all good. Pardon my French. It's not all going to be shits and gigs. There are going to be some times where you're going to have to deal with some things. Is that realistic? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I agree with that. I don't think that everyone is necessarily going to be involved in like a huge lawsuit. Right. You might be depending on, you know, the scenario, the set of facts, what you did or didn't do or meant to do, or someone thought you did or whatever, but more often than not, yes, the vast majority of people that I know that have been in this business a long time have had some sort of issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't say that to to scare anybody, but just that it's part of business, right? It, you're going to get the client that is unreasonable. You're going to get the person who has something else going on in their life and they're taking it out on you, or they feel they were wronged somehow and it's totally not your fault, but they're still going to do whatever they feel they need to do. Right. Right. It's just, it's part of being open to the public, right? right. The public is a scary place sometimes. And for, for every 100 people that you meet that are your perfect ideal client and the sweetest person in the world, there's going to be somebody that is a little rough around the edges or ends up turning on you or, you know, has something happen in their own life that makes them react, you know, in a financial, they need the money back, whatever. Like there's some issue. And the best way to handle that is to be prepared. Yeah. Have it all set up ahead of time so that if and when it happens, it's yep. not stressful. You're just activating the piece of your contract that says, okay, if, if this person doesn't pay, here are the five things that happen, right? You're just doing those things. You're not frantically emailing them. You're not going, Oh my God, they owe me $5,000. What am I going to do? Like if you do have to go to court, if you do get my templates, it says it demands arbitration. So I prefer that because it's an out of court mediator form of of way to settle a, a dispute, but you can do that. If you end up in mediation, then okay. Everybody talks to the, you know, the mediator, the arbitrator, and you come to a solution and it's done. Like it's, 
a dispute is bound to happen in some way, shape or form throughout your time as a business owner, right? It could be a disgruntled employee too, or a contractor or something like, so it's going to happen. And if you have questions about contractors or employees, please tag me in your questions and and ask, because that's another, that's a whole nother training (laughs) on categorizing employees and contractors. Invite you back. (laughs) Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind. There's just stuff, right? As you grow and expand in a business, there's always growing pains. And a lot of those, not a lot of them, but there's usually one legal thing every time you grow, right? You need a new document. You need a new thing. You need to right. research this new issue. You need a trademark. Yeah, there's just a thing that you yeah. need to tackle. I've um, heard people say that's how you know when you've, when you've made it. <laughs> someone steals your stuff, right? Your, your first legal enough. dispute or your first, right. Copywriting or yeah, IP like violation. You need a cease and desist because someone's yeah. stealing all your SHIT. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just stuff, right? Stuff's going to happen and you need the yeah. right either information or you need the right contact. You need somebody and a base level right. of knowledge in this stuff and don't let it scare you. It's just a very teeny tiny part of doing business where the vast majority of it is really fun and exciting. This is just kind of the housekeeping stuff. Yeah, that's part of it. And all the more reason why you invest in protection with a lawyer and you invest in support from a sales coach so that you have the protection you need and you have somebody who's been through it already that can help you navigate when things get sticky and icky and crazy and you're not sure how to handle it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like you said, you hire, you wouldn't try to like do your own root canal, right? You hire, you'd go to a dentist, Yep. <laughs> go to the expert for the thing. It yep. doesn't need to be your stress, yep. get help. And then yep. check it off your list and go on to your, to your thing. Do the thing that you're in. Then you get to stay in your zone. You get to stay in what you do best. You get to stay in that beautiful high vibe energy where you show up in your most beautiful, fulfilled space so that you are providing your best to the world, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to go change your own oil. You're not supposed to do your own taxes. You're not supposed to do the things that you're not an expert in. Stay in your uh, lane. Absolutely. Be your expert. Invest in the places that you need the support in to, to run your business accordingly and, and compliantly. And is that a word? Compliantly? It is now. You know what it means. Um, I like it. But yeah, I mean, there, there's some there's some things that you want to make sure that you're doing right by and then enjoy the rest because that's why you're doing this. You're doing it absolutely because you love it, because you enjoy it, because it's something that really lights you up and you get to help and serve others. Absolutely. And, and making sure you're protected along the way is super important. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. It was like I took so many notes. It was so helpful. Yeah. And I know everybody else is saying that too. Like this is really helpful. They very much appreciate it. The only thing I didn't have to post was the the certification guidelines website or the oh, link. Oh yeah. I'll send that, it to you. If you have that. Yep. Okay. And if, I don't yeah, know if there's an international one that you have that you could post or like direct us to I'll the look. right place. I don't have it on, on like saved, but I'll, I'll right. see if I can find something. Um, and yeah. I'll send it over to you tonight. Awesome. Thank you. So you guys, did you hear that? She's going to post the link to the certification guidelines for the state. So you can check on that information. And then in the meantime, if we don't have anything internationally, just Google it, but, um, but that'll be super helpful. So thank you. And then there's the legal checklist that I put in there too, you guys. So check out the legal checklist and go to her website and check out the bundles. Cause that's going to be super, super powerful for a lot of you to feel really confident in knowing you're protected and you can start coaching right now, which is what we want you to do. Yes. I yeah. love it. Thank you for having me, Nicole. And, and I can't you. see you guys on the live, but thanks for, thanks for being here. And I, yes. I hope to connect with you all in the Facebook group. Everybody's saying thank you. They're super excited. Oh, Jamie, the replay is available right now. As soon as you want to start, as soon as I hit end here, you will be able to start watching it. All the replays are these are, of these are available for you. So, um, so definitely check it out. So thank you again so, so much, Christy. My I pleasure. Really Thanks thank for having me. me. Awesome. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. All right. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. 
And by the way, if you like this, subscribe because there's more good stuff coming your way. Also, please leave a review. It would mean so, so much to me and it would help others who are considering listening to this podcast to understand how amazing it is. And while you're at it, why not share with a friend? And by the way, one last thing. I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect with you. So you got a couple options. You can check me out on Instagram at Healthy Steps with Nicole. You can find me in my private Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars, or you can go to my website, healthystepswithnicole.com. I would love to hear from you and I can't wait.